Hi friends, we're back in Acts 21 and we are seeing Luke uh, describe their journeys uh, and the adventures they have and it's noticeable that he's using the first person, right? Like right away, uh, after we tore ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. Um, I love this part of Acts because it's first-hand information and uh, a lot of times uh, the perspective is a little bit different. Instead of just giving facts, he can kind of tell you what he kind of felt on the way. And so when they uh, go across, they're doing some, after sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sail to Syria. Like, it doesn't seem like important information, but again, he's just kind of giving you his firsthand account of what happened. Tells where they land, where our ship was to unload, and they sought out disciples and stayed with them. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. Um, All of them, including wives and children, had accompanied us to the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. Like, it's just writing a journal, just kind of just explaining what happened. But in that, I think that there's this place where they says, Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And then the next verse says, When it was time to leave... We left and continued on our way. Like there was a purpose. It wasn't, I wonder where the wind's blowing, what should we do? We, we've seen in the past uh, with Acts, um, Paul is being led by the Spirit. Uh, he had a call to go a certain direction that stopped him from going to another. The Spirit of God prohibited him, prohibited him to go to a certain area. But this time he's like, I'm, I'm heading there. Well, they continued their voyage. Uh, and they're greeted by brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. They left the next day. We reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. Um, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. A couple things to note. It's always good to see one of the seven. Uh, Philip was the guy that led the Ethiopian to Christ, kind of a superhero of the uh, young church. And it's amazing. He has four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Just a comment in there. And I think that goes into saying, yep, the spiritual gifts are alive, they're functioning, um, and it's not just men that have them. Again, it's men and women. And so uh, he just kind of gives this to us. And after we've been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus, and we remember him too. It's like a reunion tour almost, like we saw him earlier in, in the book of Acts. He comes down from Judea. Coming over to us, he takes Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Not the best prophecy you want to hear if you're Paul. Not the best prophecy if you want to hear any. I mean, it is not a happy prophecy. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And Paul answers, as probably only Paul can, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Parker said this as we were visiting, and I think it's very true. Like, this is kind of almost like, what are you doing to me, people? Like, maybe as Jesus even turned to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Like, he is not going to be, it says in verse 14, when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, well, the Lord's will be done. It is refreshing to see someone who knows what they feel like God's called them to do and is not dissuaded. 
even the light of risking his life. So after this, we started our way to Jerusalem. I love that uh, Luke does this because um, it seems like uh, in today's culture, if someone doesn't take our advice, well, fine. We'll have nothing to do with them. We will leave them. And Luke was part of the ones that say, hey, don't go to Jerusalem. And it says, after this, we started our way to Jerusalem. He's still going to accompany Paul. He doesn't let it affect their relationship. He's like, I'm still going to be with you. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Nathan, where we stayed. He was a man uh, from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. Relationships are so important. They're going to see friends, old friends, new friends, and they're connecting these dots, and we can see that the early church is based on relationships. Yeah, and then in verse 17, it says, When we reached Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters welcomed us warmly. The following day, Paul went with us to James, and all the elders were present. And after greeting them, he reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And Paul gives a recap of all of the things that God's been doing in the lives of the Gentiles through his ministry. And in verse 20, it says, When they heard it, they glorified God. And then they said, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews... There are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. So, and so there are these Jews that are believers in Jesus, and they're still following the traditions and the customs and the culture that they've grown up in. And in verse 21, it says, But they have been informed about you, that you were teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses, telling them to not circumcise their children or to live according to our customs. So what is to be done? they will certainly hear that you've come. And so these believing Jews have really been misinformed that, that Paul is teaching um, the Jews that are among the Gentiles to just forget the traditions, forget the culture, forget the customs. You don't need to do any of that anymore. And that's not at all what Paul has done. As we've walked through the book of Acts, Paul's been pretty clear. As long as it's not a salvation issue, as long as you're not doing the law, following the law or following these customs in order to get salvation— it's okay for them to continue to live like that. But it's not a requirement of salvation that they can hold over these new Gentile believers. One thing I read said, Paul does not teach non-observance, but neither does he insist on observance where Gentiles are involved. But he understands context. He understands the audience that he's speaking to. He understands where he's at and how important these elements of the culture are to these Jewish believers. And really, he doesn't want this to be a distraction from the gospel. And so they say, what should we do? They've they've certainly heard that you've come. This is going to be an issue. So here's what we're going to do in verse 23. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have made a vow. Take these men, purify yourselves along with them, pay for them to get their head shaves. Then everyone will know that what they were told about you amounts to nothing, but that you yourselves are careful about observing the law. And then they recap the decision that was made before in Jerusalem about the Gentiles with the letter and just here's here's some things that we'd love for you to do. Keep yourselves from food sacrifice, idols, from blood, what is strangled, and from sexual immorality. And so in verse 26, it says, The next day Paul took the men, having purified himself along with them, and entered the temple, and announcing the completion of the purification days when the offering would be made for each of them. It's similar to what he says in 1 Corinthians 9.20, where he says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law, although I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. To those who are without the law, like one without the law, 
although I'm not without God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those without the law. To the weak I became weak, in order to win the weak. I become all things to all people, so that I may by every possible means save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel, so that I may share in the blessings. When it's not a salvation issue, Paul has no problem being a part of all these traditions and cultures and really the lives of these people. And he doesn't just do all of these things so that they will like him or they'll have a better impression of who he is. He does it because he wants to see the gospel go forward in their lives so that they will be know who Jesus is and they will put their faith and their trust in him. And sometimes when you read those verses in 1 Corinthians, we kind of think, well, I don't know. It sounds kind of like you can kind of do whatever you want and live like the culture and live like the tradition, do all the traditions of all the people that you're around. And it's a slippery slope once you start heading down that road. And in 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul kind of finishes that section by clarifying the standards that he's talking about here. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, he says, Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And so when we're thinking about these verses and we're thinking about the people and the cultures and the traditions that are all around us, like Paul, we're called to dive into those and do relationships. In those different groups of people, that God placed Paul in, he really got to know them. And as he gets to know the culture and really do life with these people and become like them, he's not sinning. He's not endorsing sin. Like it says in 1 Corinthians, he's, he's disciplining himself so he won't be disqualified. But he knows enough about the people that he's trying to reach with the gospel that he has a genuine interest in who they are and knowing their story. And not just brushing it off as, hey, that's not important. It might not be important to him, but he recognizes it's really important to the people that he's trying to reach and the culture that they come from and the family traditions that they have. And I think that as believers and as a church, we can learn a lot from this. That something that we see as insignificant in someone else's story could actually be a really big deal. And that when we start to really get to know people and understand those pieces of their story, that's when relationships grow. And we don't just dive in so that we have more friends. We dive in so that they will ultimately one day know who Jesus is. To be like one who is under the law or not under the law or, or who is weak, they all of those moves, all of those decisions, all of those inroads into other people's stories sit under this umbrella of a gospel mission that the gospel would advance in the midst of all of these relationships so as we read these verses this week do we have people in our lives that are going to tell it like it is that they're going to tell us what we need to hear not just what we want to hear and not just tell us what they think or their opinions but really tell us what god's word says Tell us the truth, even when it's uncomfortable and even when it would be easier for them not to do that. And like Paul, do we know other people's stories? Have we even taken the time to get to know the people around us and not just their name and where they work, but what their family is like 
and what traditions they have and really get to know what's important to them. Because when we do this, we'll realize that we're not that much different after all. We all need grace, the gospel, and we all need Jesus at our core. And what would it look like to take an extra five minutes to ask a few more questions, to build a relationship that sits under this umbrella of the gospel mission going forward? So think about those two things this week. And if a situation or a person or a relationship comes to your mind, write it down, remember it, and let's talk about it this week on Sunday. We'll see you then.